0: Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Suit up, damn it, Marshall. New is always better. Challenge accepted. I'm not the bled. You want to hit of this sandwich? Damn, maybe be cool. Can we go camping? Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Re Return. I'm Erin. And I'm Lear. And this week, we're going to be talking about episode seven of season one of How I Met Your Mother, which is called Matchmaker. So this episode is famous for two things. Number one, Ted uses a matchmaker.
1: Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me
0: a match. Sorry. Yeah, we're going to use that... Prominently.
1: I couldn't help it.
0: And number two, so the second thing this episode is really known for is the cock-a-mouse. What? This plot, as crazy as it is, introduces some really interesting themes into how I met your mother. But I think we're going to find this is a relatively unbalanced episode. And I think our reactions will probably not surprise you if you listen to any other episode of this podcast.
1: I think that's true.
0: Let's start with the positive, which is the cockamouse. This is, I think, the first episode where we really see that. Marshall believes in weird shit. And Lily's into it.
1: Which is a departure from later on. Lily's not always on board with with this.
0: It's not out of character for Lily to be more skeptical, but this is a seeing-is-believing situation with a fake pest in a New York City apartment.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. No one believes them. And then Robin sees it, and Robin believes them. And we kind of see it. We see someone throw a stuffed animal at a window from off camera.
0: We do. Yes. We never actually see the cockamouse. Not clearly. We see Marshall's drawing of the cock-a-mouse.
1: We see a tail sticking out of Marshall's hand.
0: We do. And then we see a furry thing. Yep. I mean, the person I most feel bad for is Sudeep. I feel like he kinda got screwed. Who? The grad student, the Columbia oh, grad right. student in the biology department. Yeah. His name is Sudeep. Good catch. Eh, I do what I can.
1: Okay, so Lily and Marshall both see and believe in the Cockamouse.
0: Yes. This is the first time Marshall mentions Nessie.
1: It's true, when Robin says something about the Loch Ness Monster. And so we get the first correction that Nessie's not a monster, and just the first of many mentions in general with Marshall.
0: And I believe on the season two DVDs, there's some extras about Marshall's trip to Scotland. On their honeymoon, and he s- ruins the honeymoon by pretty much spending the entire time in Scotland looking for Nessie in Loch Ness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, it eventually pays off. Kind of. Well, we see the newspaper clip things about Marshall catching her.
0: Do we believe that though? I mean, it feels like that's in the National Enquirer.
1: I don't know. We end up with a respected lawyer and judge, and Ted wouldn't lie to us, right?
0: No, not Ted. Anyone but Ted?
1: No, of course not.
0: Yeah, Ted would never lie.
1: So, I'm I'm on board with Marshall becoming the the foremost cryptozoologist in the world.
0: You're down with that? I mean, I guess the kids are teenagers.
1: I want to spin off now.
0: You want to spin off Marshall the cryptozoologist? He's going to go find Nessie and Bigfoot? Yes. It's like The X-Files, but ch- more charming.
1: <laughs> yes, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> I guess, theoretically, in the framing device, could we buy that this is just, like, shit that Ted told his kids growing up? Like, yeah! Uncle Marshall totally found Nessie! It
1: could be. I feel like the kids usually call him out on his bullshit, though.
0: Yeah! Yeah, no, totally, they do. Especially in the first season, because, like, the kids weren't aging. Right. So it either is kind of a play on, like, belief versus skepticism... Which is a theme in Marshall and Lily's relationship. Lily is clearly on team crazy believer in this episode. Later, she becomes slightly more skeptical, but more willing than, you know, true skeptic Robin is willing to believe this crap. Right. Like this theme of, or this motif, or Marshall's belief in the supernatural becomes a subtext for religion and how you handle religion in families. And what are we going to teach our kids? Are we going to teach our kids to be believers? So it's an interesting setup.
1: That's why I'm not having kids.
0: What? So you don't have to teach them to believe in Nessie? Anything. In anything?
1: Yeah. I can't wait till you have kids, though. I'm going to be <laughs> Crazy Uncle Lear.
0: You're excited for I'm that? I'm excited for oh. that. Well, you've got at least Damn. another few decades. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, that's fine.
0: So this this episode for me like definitely doesn't work that well it kind of did the same thing that I was talking about, was it last week? In one of the episodes like, where they were just being too literal. So Lily literally says, I get that you're skeptical, but we're believers, we believe. And I think that's just clumsy writing.
1: It's a little too on the nose.
0: It's like, you don't need to make that subtext text. So while I like this plot line, and the cock mouse is a fun conceit, I feel like it's kind of there like ugly naked man. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the running jokes of the series because obviously the cockamouse shows up again um when Ted takes Zoe to the Arcadian overnight um and also when Ted buys an online house. Or excuse me, a house online. He bought a house online because he is a crazy person. And there are cockamouses in there.
1: I've been looking at houses on eBay.
0: How's that going? Tell,
1: tell me to stop.
0: Um stop? Okay. Don't be like Ted. Okay. <laughs> you are not an architect in a So that's the cockamouse. So let's move on to the other part of this episode, which kind of posits the question of chance in relationships.
1: Can love be boiled down to an algorithm?
0: I mean, I think Ted's approach proves that it can. He's into laundry lists, our Ted. That's true. He
1: loves his yellow legal pad.
0: And he has a his laundry list of weird things that he wants in a woman, which, as we discussed, both Robin and the eventual mother, Tracy, do check off a bunch of them.
1: Any Kim from any cool
0: band, really? Not picky. <laughs> I have five dogs. <laughs> but Barney sees the opportunity, as per usual. We are now at episode seven, and Barney hasn't gotten laid. He hasn't. Zero of his schemes
1: have worked, and this one just seemed bad in general. This is yeah. putting a, a fake name on the substitute teachers' roll call. Bad, Jack, <laughs> Jack package. package.
0: Actually, it's package. <laughs> Can we just like take a moment to heap praise on Catherine Mannheim, who played the matchmaker in this episode? She was really only known for being on, like, The Practice or something, but she was really wonderful, I think, in this episode. She was. She, it was just... And that's what I yeah. knew her from. I, I watched The Practice. Mm-hmm. Like, she was just so good. This character that really could have been terrible. It's unfortunate she didn't come back later. No spoilers.
1: Well, they... <laughs> that... Yeah. Wait. Shit. We don't do spoilers on here?
0: Yeah, so it's a shame that they couldn't get her back, but she was great. As this matchmaker who can't find Ted love. She's, like, so bummed. And not for Ted at <laughs> all. not for Ted.
1: No, she just... I'm sure she could care less. She was just worried about her... <laughs> yeah. Uh, her 100%.
0: That's my hook. I believe it. I love it. Like, that is the <laughs> correct reaction to not being able to find Ted a-, a soulmate. And she's a hell of a saleswoman. Like, that pitch where... She runs the numbers, and we get down from, like, 9 million people in the city of New York to 8 women. I don't think her math adds up, but it was a hell of a pitch.
1: Yeah, 8 women in that big blue ocean.
0: I mean, Ted dates more than 8 women. I feel like this is not true. It's true. Does Robin fit the algorithm? Robin would never sign up for a matchmaking service. Robin has standards. Usually.
1: Well, okay. I mean, we all know what happens with, you know, Ted and Robin. They don't really fit, but they kind of really fit, and they end up together. Whatever. Does Tracy fit the algorithm?
0: It's an interesting question.
1: It's simple, though. She doesn't.
0: She does not, because at this point, in the opening episode, Ted is 27, and Tracy is turning 21, which means she is six years younger than Ted, and we are only going plus or minus five years.
1: Bingo. So even if she was signed up for this service... And I think we can agree that Tracy is pretty much the perfect woman for Ted.
0: In all ways. Yes. Like, Robin's great, but Tracy is perfect.
1: And she never would have been matched up with Ted, even if they were both in this service. Do you think that that plus or minus five years is solid? Or do you think the older someone gets, the larger that algorithm opens up?
0: I mean, I always found the half your age plus seven rule to be a little gross,
1: yeah, but...
0: Especially, especially as you get older. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're 27, plus or minus five years is pretty solid. I think when you're 40, you know, maybe you could go plus or minus eight years. But I don't really have a good feel for that. Because obviously, I, I know people in really good relationships where the age gap is more than five years. Right. So it's not perfect. But I think when you're, you know, doing an algorithm, plus or minus five years is like a pretty solid, just kind of a guesstimate.
1: Maybe eventually, Tracy would have ended up in Ted's algorithm. Perhaps. So maybe by time they meet, it would have opened up enough.
0: Well, here's the thing. A 27-year-old dating a 21-year-old, while technically legal, still would kind of wig me out.
1: Right. It barely fits the half plus seven.
0: A 36-year-old dating a 30-year-old works.
1: Wait, does it fit? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, sorry, it does fit half plus yeah. seven. Anyway, go on.
0: If you want to go into the series mythology, I think at this point Ted's a little too old for Tracy. I think that's fair. Yeah. But like... Seriously, twenty-one-year-olds have their own shit going on. Right. If you are in your late twenties and you want to date twenty-one-year-old girls, like maybe you reevaluate your life.
1: Maybe. If Ted were to meet Tracy now, Ted were hitting on a twenty-one-year-old right now, that would be pretty bad, probably. Probably. Not the worst thing in the world, but you know, inherently, there's it's a little creepy. Speaking of what Ted's looking for in a woman, what about the one match that he could have had?
0: Oh God. Oh, God.
1: The kind of match.
0: The kind of match? Oh, God, Ted. I honestly don't think that this, like, superficial algorithm shit actually would have made them fall in love. It's one of the things that makes me so grateful that the matchmaker was so wonderful, and she was so clearly pitching him.
1: Because if they would have tried to play it off as a serious plot point, it just would have been way too hard to swallow.
0: She's so wonderful and she's so spot on and she only cares about her average that it undercuts Ted's belief, which I really like and I think is remarkably smart because Ted immediately Ted's out like a crazy person finding that there was only one person in the computer and she was already paired up. (laughs) This is the second way we find out about using Ted as a verb to Ted out. See also Ted up. Oh, Barney.
1: So Ted sees the the single, you know, high match in the system of someone that's already been paired up. And what does he do?
0: Uh, He steals it.
1: And what does he do with that information?
0: Oh, he goes to her office. Like, she's a dermatologist. He goes to her office under the pretense of getting a mole checked out and hits on her.
1: Ding, ding, ding. Stalker Ted. Again.
0: Yes, this is the second major stalking incident we've had. Yep. Yeah, because he definitely stalks the shit out of Robin in Purple Giraffe. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is not the first dermatologist he will stalk. Well, it is the first. It's not the only. But it is the first. It's the 1st This doctor Sarah O'Brien. This will not be the only (laughs) dermatologist Ted will stalk. There we go. You know, I think I really (laughs) honestly should be drunk for this. I thought you were. I'm not.
1: Maybe next week.
0: So... Yes, she's no Stella Zenman, but Dr. Sarah O'Brien is a dermatologist who Ted just, like, stalks the shit out of in a way that is so creepy. But this
1: isn't nearly as creepy as when he was stalking Robin and Purple Giraffe.
0: Are you just being facetious? Or, like, playing devil's advocate? You think this is just as bad? I do. Because here's the thing with Robin and Purple Giraffe. Like, the three parties are pretty terrible- but this is a woman who he doesn't know. He went on a date with Robin. He she was like tentatively joining his friend group. Like they have a connection. There was some mutual interest. So while what tended to Robin was bad, this is just a random woman whose identity he stole. Like he stole her personal information. That's true. And he looked her up and then he like went and hit on her at work. So they have this like hit on her at work jam going on that's like a nice common theme um so ted definitely has an mo yeah i kind of think this is worse and i do think you see in the scene where he confronts her about it you know just like this moment of panic in the the actress's face like what (laughs) but then she's like way too cool about it she's way too cool about it
1: yeah that's true she she's kind of mothering him a little bit there
0: yeah like call the police is that a crazy reaction
1: Calling the police on a stalker? No, I, th- I think that's legit.
0: So this is the other thing about this that I think makes it a little bit creepy and-, and makes me question this algorithm. I have some questions about this algorithm and this 100% success rate. So these are the things that Ted thinks makes him and Dr. Sarah O'Brien compatible. They love brunch. Ooh. Do people not like brunch? Is Are there people out there who think brunch is bad?
1: I mean, Maybe. I don't know, maybe people that go to church for six hours on Sunday?
0: Yeah, I don't think this is a thing. Like, you can have brunch any day you want. Like, Sunday brunch is a wonderful thing, but you can literally have brunch any day you want.
1: I guess that's true.
0: It's breakfast with booze. So number two, wants to have two children. I feel like this is not that big of a deal. Like, it's good that they both want to have kids. It's a pretty generic number. Right. Three, guilty pleasure song is Summer Breeze by Seals and Croft.
1: First of all, We never hear it mentioned again in the entire series. We do not. Two, that's a shitty song. Duh. Three, guilty pleasure song? Really? Come on.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. I I, I don't even know how to respond to this. So number four on Ted's list of reasons. Ugh. She hates phonies. Which really works because Ted is a Holden Caulfield type. This totally checks out.
1: fucking hate Catcher in the Rye. I can't hear the word phonies without thinking of it. Well, that, well obviously, I mean, this is the obvious I mean, reference. I don't think anyone This can. is the
0: obvious reference.
1: But... God. I hate that book so much. Doesn't
0: everyone? Like,
1: and I hate Holden Caulfield. Everyone does. And Ted is absolutely Holden Caulfield. He really is. I could totally see Douche Ted... With his fake spectacles, <laughs> spectacles, like blackmailing a college professor and thinking that he was the good guy in that situation.
0: Um. Yeah, and I think we do kind of see that eventually down the line.
1: <sighs> Fuck, Ted.
0: Okay, and then the last one, she is a dermatologist and Ted has skin, which is literally the only thing he uses. Like, this is the connection he makes. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So I have questions about this algorithm. I think that Catherine Mannheim is, and Love Solutions, is basically bullshitting everyone. Which I love. It, is, it really makes me like this terrible episode more. And I also appreciate that everyone, like, immediately knows what Ted's gonna do. Which is Ted the fuck out. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about one more thing. The group gathers to discuss Ted Tedding out. Lily... Makes a big deal about Ted hitting on an engaged woman. Which, number one, she tried to solicit in, what, episode three?
1: Oh, yeah, Uh, Sweet Taste of Liberty.
0: Yes, so she tried to get people to hit on her engaged ass. um, And also get free drinks.
1: So, aside from Ted actually stealing this woman's information to go find her... Had Ted actually just run into her organically, I actually really liked Ted's interaction with Dr. O'Brien the first time. I mean, he's clear. He's, he's leading it, obviously. But when he says, when he asks her out on Saturday and she says she's getting married, and he says, well, what about Friday? I just thought that, that that was funny. Like, that was a funny little throwaway. Yeah. Um. And then when he said, you know, if you end up not getting married, give me a call. Aside from the fact that we know that Ted is serious, like, again, that's just a, you know, a cute interaction.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will give you that. I didn't see that as a big deal. The actions beforehand poison all of these interactions for me.
1: Oh, well, yeah, of course. But I think we can kind of accept that his friends realize he's a little bit of a stalker and apparently are okay with it.
0: Don't hate the player, hate the game. They are friends with Barney. So here's the other thing, and I think this foreshadows nicely what's coming in next week's episode. So Lily asks the group, who here hit on an engaged woman in the last day? And Ted raises his arm, you know, a beat later, so does Barney. (laughs) So it's funny because it's a funny sight gag, but it aligns Ted with Barney in a really interesting way. Because Ted goes out of his way to differentiate himself from Barney and say he's looking for something real. I think there's a lot of evidence to show that maybe he's not. It's all superficial.
1: I think you're right.
0: Which ultimately the entire series is about. About Ted not being ready to settle down.
1: Womp womp. Womp womp. Something else that I think it was Barney said when Ted was trying to get him to join the dating service with him. I think it was Barney that said that uh, a guy dating a certain, uh, dating service is the male equivalent of uh, getting a uh, there
0: cat. It is. <laughs> hey,
1: Aaron. How many times have I told you to get a cat?
0: I think we're pushing into scores.
1: That's probably true.
0: We're into scores of times.
1: So aside from your absolute aversion to other living things in your life... Uh, is this why you don't want a cat?
0: I mean, the cat lady thing is a very strong stereotype that I would like to avoid, but yeah, probably.
1: I still think we need to get you a pet Roomba.
0: Can I put a boombox on it and call it DJ Roomba?
1: I think you have to.
0: So overall, what do we think of this episode? Next week we're going to have a lot of fun, but this week kind of hurt a little bit. It It was hard for me to watch this episode. I,
1: for whatever reason... You know, as a break from Purple Giraffe, for some reason, I'm way more forgiving of Ted in this episode than I am in Purple Giraffe or anywhere else that we've hated him so far. And don't get me wrong, I'm not excusing him. I'm not saying, oh, no, this is cool. Just for whatever reason, it doesn't bother me as much. Maybe it's because Um, Dr. Sarah O'Brien is a character that we're never going to get to know, and this is an entire episode of... uh, throw away ted stalking but i don't know i i still enjoyed some of the episode i thought it was well written i thought there was a lot of uh good like wordplay even while ted's being a creep um but certainly it's it doesn't show him in a positive light but i like that barney failed yet again we love the cock mouse uh, even though Robin isn't really doing anything, she's she's there. She's participating in the story.
0: Yeah, this is not a, a strong Robin episode. There's really not a lot to say about her.
1: <laughs> uh, I do want to say this is another episode, though, that had a, a missing musical cue on the DVD release. Oh, yeah? So when Ted steals uh, Dr. O'Brien's info off of um, the Matchmaker's computer... When he prints it off and and runs out of the room on the original broadcast and on Netflix, it plays, I think it's called Landslide. But on the DVD release, there's a weird, just like broken, generic musical cue. And it completely changes the tone of that.
0: Yes, because musical cues really affect how you read a scene. So... I mean, if you listen to the song where Ted goes back and it feels kind of madcap and almost in a way that, like, Ted, for very romantic reasons, can't help himself. Does that read track for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that might be a big part of why it's easier for me to excuse this episode is actually that musical cue right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the lyrics are literally caught in a landslide. Right. It, It kind of implies that this is something... That Ted is just so compelled to do because he's tedding out, right? <laughs> that it, it's it's the, the one action that if he was in his right mind he wouldn't he perhaps would not have done, but he felt so compelled, right? Which almost makes it worse. So I haven't heard it without this music. Like, how does it change the scene for you?
1: Okay, so having the this musical cue in there, the the one that's in you know whatever one sees anymore, does make it a little the situation's getting away from Ted he's caught up in it and I don't know it excuses it a little for him maybe or doesn't you know depending on how you look at it but the other musical cue with just the generic I feel like it's one of those generic weird like horn breaks that they have in the first season and it just becomes just scene change music it doesn't give anything and it it takes away from it for me And it just makes Ted look like an idiot. Like, it makes it look like a bad idea from, you know, from the get-go. Like, I know it's a bad idea, regardless. Makes it look like, oh, Ted's doing something dumb.
0: (laughs) Anything else to say about this kind of eh episode that we are clearly so very enthusiastic about?
1: No. No, that's what we think about the episode. What do we think about Ted specifically?
0: Oh, boy. You know... I mean, I think, honestly, his actions are way... Like, I don't think the writers were really thinking about how his actions would really play. This is pretty bad as far as Ted goes. Like, he seriously stole a woman's personal information, tracked her down, and asked her out not once but twice. It's not good. Yeah. I'm, like, not all that inclined to, like, be into Ted right now. It's, It's pretty horrific.
1: But if it had been six months earlier... He would have been paired up with her by the system anyway.
0: But he stole her information. He stole it. But if it had been six
1: months earlier, he would have been given that information.
0: Um I'm pretty sure I
1: know. I know. <laughs> I'm not defending stalking. I'm not defending identity theft. or I mean not identity theft, but
0: personal information theft?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like he it's like he doxed her before the internet, you know? Right. It's it's like he doxxed her.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Ooh, now I feel bad about defending Ted.
0: Yeah, don't defend Ted,
1: dude. Ugh. Ted, this is not Ted. It is absolute worst for me. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. I'm gonna give it a three.
0: A three? Yeah, I'm going with like one. Okay. Like there have been worse Ted's, but like this is this is really really bad. There there will possibly be worse Ted's. This is this is not good. Oh boy, oh Ted, oh Ted, what are you doing?
1: Oh, Teddy, boy. Oh, Teddy, Ted, Ted.
0: So that's it for this week's episode of The Re-Return. Um, make sure you come and visit us at the re-return, TheReReturn.com and um, at TheReReturn on Twitter. Let us know what you think of this episode. Do you think the musical cue makes a difference? We're going to post some links. Is, does the cock mouse work for you? Not only as a plot, but also as setting up this series-long theme of Marshall and his weird beliefs. And Lily, as usually a skeptic, but not this much this time. <laughs> Anything else?
1: It's hard to be a skeptic when you can see it.
0: Yeah. But seriously, so what is the over under on Barney getting laid? Not great. Like, I know we can just go look it up. I feel like we're like every other episode, like, we're like, eh, this episode was okay, and like we're kind of lackluster, but then like when we get to an episode we really like, it kind of blows up. <laughs> and then we have things to say.
1: How did this show ever get a second season?
0: It, it almost didn't I mean I think this show was on the cusp for a long time and there, but there's like some secret brilliance here like we're we're critiquing pretty hard that's true and I think honestly totally based on our inebriation levels yeah so we will be back next week we are gonna be talking about the duel which I'm actually really excited about this was such that was like such a fun episode unlike this one I'm so sorry guys I'm Aaron I'm Lear all right and we will see you soon or talk to you soon bye
1: bye everyone